hear us here in the host of the hour. First to follow the fox named Neve with books laid before the bear named M to read and retire around the long fire. It's season oh, two. Bah, 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 bah. As I was saying that, I realized <clears throat> you laid this book before me. That's true. Yeah. But um, the vibe's just not like that. Yeah. I also, I don't, you don't need to write a new verse for every season, because then that becomes a recurring bit that's going to get really annoying when we're in season six of this podcast. Yeah. Writing that was just a dumb thing my brain did, and then I yeah. went with it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have the pressure to have to write a verse. Yeah. It's fine. That's the opening of our podcast. It's totally cool. Yeah. I will say it's Gundam time years after Gundam is over. Yeah. GGP will still open with a Gundam time, almost certainly. Probably still end with Amuro. Um, I'm trying to remember what podcast it was where you almost did it's Gundam time. Uh, oh, Beach House, I think. Yeah, yeah. Really, see how it is what happens when Jackson hosts. I just do that, which is like two podcasts because I host all the other ones. Yeah. They're on anime duty, and I'm on everything else duty. <laughs> uh, it does seem to shake out that way. Yeah. Well, GGP's weekly, and it comes out in the middle of the week, and uh, I work a day job, and they do not. That's really how this happened. Yeah. Uh, Hi, we're here. We're reading the Nibelungen Le- lead. Is it lead or lied? Um, It would be lead. Okay. Nibelungen lead. Yeah. Um, which is a, a German poem of antiquity. I have um, a Wikipedia page. I just don't know where it is. There it is. Uh, yeah. Written around 1200 in Middle High German. The The author is unknown. It's about some stuff that we've kind of heard of a little bit in its yeah. own weird way. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the actual reading, but uh, so one thing I've also been doing just since we were doing this, mm-hmm. uh, reading through the, the Nibelungen lead, um, I have this copy of Tolkien's version of the legend of Seerther and Gluthorin, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, when I picked it up, I thought was like a prose version of him trying to piece it together. Mm-hmm. It is just him trying to write like old Norse style poetry. He's not like translating it. Um, and he's not really using Kenning, so it doesn't it doesn't have quite the same feeling. Like you, you never get like, uh, you know, helmed tree or whatever to mean like a warrior. You never get yeah. that kind of stuff. Um. So, uh, but so it's a little bit more straightforward though. It's like a little easier to read than like, you know, intense translations of Old Norse poetry. Uh-huh. Um. But it's still doing a lot of the same, like, uh, consonants and assonance, like, rhythm stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, and it has been, uh, interesting. Like, one, it's just kind of re reminding me of Volsunga Saga and, like, those myths. Yeah. Um, it's also, like, unsurprising that he hones in even more on, um, the, the, like, cursed ring from Anvari. <laughs> Oh, weird. Of, of course he's going to. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and there's also, like, uh, basically whenever there's, like, the weird incest or, like, uh, 
murder of children that exists in the myth, uh, he either like elides it or makes clear that everyone feels really bad about what they did, which which I think is funny. Tolkien is a good Christian man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it is just funny because it, it it really feels like a Christian guy writing this. Yes. Um, yeah, then uh, having read the Nibelungen lead, I was surprised that, like, we we barely get anything about, like, the slaying of the dragon and stuff. Yeah. Um, Basically, like, like, not present in this. Yeah, it's, like, briefly mentioned that he, like... Uh, and some, somehow did something with, like, greedy brothers bickering over a fortune, yeah. and also slayed a dragon, and does not in any way talk about how those are the same story. No. Um, I mean, it's basically, like, I don't get into it, but, like, Siegfried comes with, like, rumor about his exploits, but only in a way that's like, oh, this guy's going to be a bother, because he's clearly, like, an important, a main character in a way we are not, and here he is, and that sucks, because nobody wants to be... uh running house for a main character it's a nightmare yeah that's the secret of the ancient world if a main character shows up go the fucking other direction yeah and you can tell because they're always arrayed in rumor and glory and weirdness and they just have a gravity and you gotta leave you gotta get the fuck out of there hit the bricks yeah um but it did make me appreciate that we're reading this after doing Bolsonga Saga just because we like you just get more backstory about him you know, mm-hmm. like we kind of know who this dude is. Uh, and in this book in particular, it feels like he is coming out of like a different legendary tradition or something and entering into this. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is great. But uh, should we should we try and talk through the, the three chapters we read? <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I immediately am like three chapters might not be enough, but who knows? Because <laughs> chapter three is kind of long. So if they do get longer. It might be fine. <laughs> yeah, I was slipping through, and I, I feel like... I mean, there's still a couple short ones, but um, we could probably do four, but let's, like, do maybe one more week of three and just see. Yeah. Um, just because chapter two and uh, chapter one are, like, three pages apiece. They're really short. Yeah. Anyway. But they're also, like, clearly just setting up characters. Yes. So yeah. Um, so, yeah, chapter one... Uh, we learn about Kremhild, um, who is, uh, the, the analog of Guthrun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, for the most part, like, it's just general background with her, her brothers, her mom. Um, and then we do get this, like, a little bit of, uh, almost like, doing a setup for the the tale to come, which is, I, I think, a really common thing in a lot of this, like, Germanic Norse poetry, um, mm. where it kind of ends with this, like, uh, you know, yet the time came when she was wed with honor to a very brave warrior, to that same falcon whom she had seen in the dream, which her mother had interpreted for her. What terrible vengeance she took on her nearest kinsman for slaying him in days to come, for his... Oh, his one life, there died many a mother's child. This is yeah, just like the full setup of like tragedies coming. 
there's a there's a thing <laughs> she has a dream where she rears a falcon and it's beautiful and wonderful and then a bunch of eagles tear it apart and she goes to her mother and is like mama what does this dream mean and she's like well you're gonna have a beautiful husband he's gonna fucking die and you're gonna hate it she's like that doesn't sound right i'm never going to fall in love with a man that's silly and she's like don't <laughs> knock it if you haven't tried it <laughs> yeah there's almost a vibe of like the mom saying to like the gay daughter like you'll you'll eventually figure out that you like men <laughs> i read um, this more as like like a like you know in like like someone's tweens in your adolescence yeah. who are just like I could never imagine myself married that sounds ridiculous yeah and then um, you know life falls on a lot of people and they end up getting married it's weird how that works yeah I feel like it's probably it is more the latter like she's probably young when this is happening um, but there's not like a clear stating of any ages so uh, it was also just funny the way that uh, she's just like I would never love a man <laughs> um. But yeah, she will obviously love a man, and tragedy will ensue. Um, I think that was about it. We get, like, a listing out of, uh, what, various encounters and things. Um, Dankwart, Ortwin of Metz, just a a whole bunch of names. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel like the dream is the main thing here. And then just the, like, setup, the tragedy's coming. Uh, chapter two is Siegfried. Um, and this was particularly, because we do learn when he then shows up in Worms. Um, I'm assuming it's, it's Worms, since it's, this is German. Um, that's where we learn about, like, the dragon and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, like, it basically does like a little rundown of his childhood with like very little space for those exploits to have happened. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we learn a little bit about, uh, you know, his father, Sigmund, um, and, uh, there's also Siegland, uh, as well is like in the mix here. Um, that's his mother, name of his mother. Um, and just sort of general, like, uh, you know, he was, he was great and handsome, that kind of thing that we get all the time when, when heroes get introduced. Yeah. The main thing is, um, he is so busy being a a prince of great valor that he truly doesn't want to be king. He's like, nah, nah, I'm good. It's fine. He's like, not like you could, when you die, I'll take it. Maybe, maybe. But right now I don't want to like, they're going to bestow upon him the kingship. He's like, nah, chill. Yeah. Um, he's just enjoying being a a knight. Yeah. And then he hears that there's a lady and knights go after ladies. That's what they do. It's like braid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so he's like, and and also she's not just a, a hot lady, but of most rare brute, uh, beauty. Um, so you know, immediately goes over, and it's also just she's like, been she's been turning down suitors, which yeah, that's just a challenge. Yeah, uh, and he just shows up and is like instantly an asshole. <laughs> well, his whole thing is like, I'm gonna go win, I'm gonna go woo her, and it's like you can't just like go to another land; it's dangerous. 
So you should yeah. take an arm. And he's like, no, I'm going to take like seven guys and like set them up real nice. So we're really impressive. But I don't want to take an army because people can be really mad if I take an army. And then he shows up at their doorstep and is like, all these lands are mine. Yeah. <laughs> just just big swinging dick asshole energy on this guy. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm trying to find the, the specific part, too, where... Um, these 12 he, warriors. It's probably important because they do mention none of these guys died. It's just fucking him who dies doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is there's the part where he like shows up and everyone. Uh, there's like this banter where he basically they're like, oh, yeah. Do you want to like, you know, hang out? Do you think it's peaceful? And he just like immediately goes to like, no, I'm going to take things by force. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to find it. It it was like especially wild, just him being full asshole. Um, this is a longer chapter, so I'm not finding it immediately. But uh, yeah, uh, I should very much like to know where you have come from, noble Siegfried, and what business it is that brings you here to Verms on the Rhine. Uh, this I shall not hide from you, the stranger answered him. I was told repeatedly in my father's country that the bravest warriors that king, uh, that king ever had were to be found with you, and I have come to see for myself. I have also heard such warlike qualities ascribed to you that, according to many people in all the lands about, a more valiant prince has, uh, was never seen, nor shall I desist till I know the truth of it. I, too, am a warrior, and I am entitled to wear a crown, but I wish to achieve the reputation of possessing a land and a people in my own sole right, for which my head and honor shall be pledged. Now, since, as they tell me, you are so brave, and I do not care who minds, I will wrest from you by force all that you possess. Your lands and your castles shall all be subject to me. Uh, he just shows up with, like, a small force, and then just, just like, uh, you know, I, I... I'm going to get a crown, but like, I want to win land that I own first before I inherit land. Uh, and I'm just going to take all of your lands. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Yeah. The main um, thing is the King's three sons are like, two of them are ready to fight. And one of them's like, I don't know about this. And the King's like, wait, 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 we can win this through hospitality. We should, it would reflect well on us. If we don't just immediately murder this man for showing up and saying he rules us all now. Um, <laughs> and he goes, Oh, what are you, are you fucking pussies? If you don't fight me, I'm going to rule you all now. <laughs> yeah. It just goes really bad. Unforced. You don't need to be like yeah. this. Yeah. I love it because um, so much of the initial two chapters are like Siegfried's like bespoke. There's like a certain sort of like Christian chivalrous nature bestowed upon Siegfried. He's a good knight who is in his glory, in his in moment of like flower of his youth. And the thing that arrives is just like a bastard. He just fucking sucks. Yeah. And the, the book, like, even the forward's, like, very clear. Like, this is not necessarily a story about Siegfried. It's a story about um, Krimhild and how she reacts to him dying once they fall in love. Um, and just setting this guy up as, like, really not worth the tragedy that's about to befall everybody uh, is good. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was also a thing that I noted reading this, is that it just immediately is more Christian than, like, Volsunga Saga. Like, we even get, um, in chapter two, this mass was sung to the glory of God, and at once there was great press, where, in accordance with chivalric custom, the squires were reunited amid such uh, splendor as can scarcely be seen again. Um, mm. and so there's also, like, a way that the slaying of the dragon and stuff becomes, like, such a footnote of just, like, rumors of what he did. Um, 
that is also like so much of that is tied up in in various heathen beliefs and like Odin showing up and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it is interesting. That this is just like immediately a more Christian version of these characters. I think. Um. So we'll we'll see uh, if and how that develops. Yeah. Um. I I do like that it just immediately gets introduced with Greenheld. Um, I know that she's like really the focal character throughout the entire story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, so far, um, enjoying how much of an asshole he is. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I did get to the end of chapter three and I was like, oh, we could have read four. We, we, <laughs> we could have gotten that fourth one in. Yes, but who knows? Yeah. So yeah, pretty short. Um, pretty good. Ready to see how this all plays out. Um, cause truly I feel like my experience with this stuff is either like, Arthurian night stuff, which is often like, we know what the good path is, but we have a lot of conflict because we're real fuck ups of people. Um, or it's full on who can do like the, in the like Iliad Odyssey mode, who can do the most, uh, hospitality each other, the biggest. Um, and that's who decides who is cool. And one, one person is playing by one rule book here and one person is just playing by like the modernist, I'm going to get mine rule book. And it's just a uh, nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that stuff's great. Um, also, like, just chapter one, like, having the whole setup of the tragedy to come um, hmm. made me excited. Like, oh, yeah, we're, like, back in the world of legends and not history now, where there's, like, tragedies rather than just an accounting of events where people yes. die sometimes. <laughs> yes. Um, and, like, you know, we read other sagas before we did uh, Heimskringla and, like, even so, though some of those other ones are are more grand, grounded in like uh, historicity, um, I still feel like there's more, uh, like narrative stuff happening there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we read uh, what uh, Lux Dyla Saga, like there's like tragedy and stuff happening in there. Um, there's like a narrative happening even as it sometimes veers more into the the history of something but um yeah excited for just like pure legend now (laughs) yeah i think that's it yeah uh we'll be reading another three chapters so four through six next week yep that's your how that goes we can add another chapter going forward if we want so that's your saga moment yeah what what else is going on? What is up? Um, I mean, I think the the big thing that's happened in between is I started Final Fantasy VIII. Yep. Um, Unlike some people, I simply won't talk about it. Yeah. Um, I'll probably talk about it more as we like as I get deeper in. You're but, still pretty uh, early, right? Yeah. Um. So here's I, here's my um. This has nothing to do with the story. This has everything to do with breaking the video game. I will explain to you how I played Final Fantasy VIII when I was young. This is my story. Okay. Uh, that's a different Final Fantasy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Uh, um, so, 
Quetzalcoatl has an ability called Card Mod, where if enemies are injured or damaged, like at low hit points, you can convert them directly into a card. If you do that, it gives you the AP, but no XP. If you've noticed, Final Fantasy VIII has a thing where every level is a flat 1000 XP, um, and enemies scale with your level, and you get very little for leveling up. Um, in terms of stat gains, uh, but enemies have tiers where like enemies level one through like 15 or a certain way and 15 through 30 or a different way. And then like 30 through whatever, like the third, I think there's only like three or four tiers. Um, and so the game is easier if you do this busted ass way of playing where you never kill an enemy, you just turn them all into cards and then you mod the cards because Quetzalcoatl has also multiple GFs, early GFs have abilities to turn cards into items or to magic. I think into items. And then the items obviously be turned into magic because you can convert a lot yeah. of I- items into magic. And so you just end up on the, um, the magic grind, but through modding, um, modding monsters into cards, uh, a couple hours in, like maybe five or six, or whatever, you're going to get a, a GF called Brothers. I think it's Brothers who has this. Brothers has an ability called Ink None. You get Ink, ink Half and then you get Ink None, which decrease the encounter rate to 50% and 0%, uh, which means that for most of the game, if you wanted, once you said get the set up, all you, all you have to do is fight bosses at level six with your array of Firagas that you've modded out of cards. Um, that is the true sicko's way because later in the game, way later, you can get some GFs out of abilities where like on level up, you will get a plus one to strength or a plus one to defense permanent. And so you wait until the very end of the game, you slap those GFs on a single character, uh, you level them up to a hundred and they have tons of great stats. And then you, you just kill the other two and then you kill that one and you revive one of the ones that isn't level hundred. You slap that GF on them and then you level them up to hundred. Everyone gets great stats. Uh, they spent most of the game at like level like nine or 10. Um, it's really stupid, but that's how I played the game in the nineties. <laughs> Don't do it like this. I'm yeah. not saying you should do it. I'm just saying this is the, the psychopathy of how I played the game when I was young. Um, I truly have not at all engaged with the cards other than like obviously getting them um mm. i got that that card ability um yeah. but i have not uh i haven't even used it yet so well that's how um, it works uh and it's yeah. good it's good for grinding out items um the thing with the card game is i think the card game is fun uh but you end up with this weird thing where at least for me when i was 14 and loved this game more than life itself right um where um, I wanted to have a full set of cards because you can hold up to a hundred cards and there are a hundred cards. So you can only have one of each type if you want the whole set. And a lot of the cool rare ones are there's one in the world and you can't get another. There's no duplicates. Uh, you can get a squall card. There's only one squall card. Um, but squall card can be turned into some of the sickest items in the game, like incredibly rare stuff that takes forever to grind. Um, but once you turn it into items, you can't get the card back. Um, and I definitely was the person who's like, well, I'm going to grind the items out and have the full set of cards and have a full collection. Um, because back before achievements, I used to, and back before esteem and cheap games, uh, I would play games to my own definition of hundred percent. I've talked about this on like Voip Life, I think where like, Achievements really fucked up my playing video games com- to completion, quote unquote, because what when someone else got to define what that meant, it, whenever it didn't gel with my idea of what that meant, I just get grumpy. I'd be like, well, fuck you. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but um, I would play Final Fantasy VIII getting every card and getting everyone's like best weapons and shit. Yeah, that's all. Uh, do you ever have to play Triple Triad? Is it ever required of you? Hmm. I don't think so. If you ever, I mean, you played nine, right? 
I don't remember what you said. No, I watched someone play a lot of nine, but I never okay, played Because there's like there's like a section in nine where the card game's required, and the card game in nine fucking sucks. Um, and there's a bit where you have to play it. Um, yeah, you do not have to play Triple Triad one bit. Um, there's good stuff, and there's like there's like fun story content through Triple Triad. Sometimes nothing major. There's just some stuff about like who plays, and there's like a club at the school, and there's like the secret members of the elite card game and who the members are is kind of a fun reveal as you slowly discover who the card players are. Um, which characters have which rare cards is like kind of a, it informs our character a little bit, but it's not a, it's not a big thing. Yeah. There's, there's some moments where you're like, why does this character have this card? And then you find out later and you're like, huh, that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've not engaged at all with it. And it's also yeah, the thing totally that like, I probably won't much. Yeah. Um, it's in this way of like, when I played Final Fantasy X, um, I got really into Blitzball. Um, yeah, I was I've going never, like out of my way Blitzball. to recruit Blitzball players for my team that I thought would yeah. be good. Um, all of that, just playing tons of Blitzball. Yeah. Uh, if I ever replay Final Fantasy X, I will probably only do when it's required and then never again. Yeah. Um, I and will not say that I, if, if, if you if you get to a certain point and need want to change your mind about this, I think there's like one side card based side quest you have to do in disc three. Otherwise, cards become missable. Um, but you've got a ways to worry about it. OK. Um, but mostly the game does not require you to engage this at all. Um, there is yeah. like a weird because the, the game has like a bunch of rules, but the rules are like regional kind of like, you know, you play like a, a you play four square as a kid. I don't know if you played four square tetherball everyone has like yeah. house rules and different regions of the world of final state have different house rules but you traveling between cultures starts propagating the rules in ways that can be disastrous because some of the rules fucking suck where it's like you don't get to pick your hand it's totally random fuck you you don't want that one to spread that one sucks <laughs> yeah none of this mechanically is going to be a thing you engage with and that's totally when i played the game from normal mapping i didn't fucking touch the cards one bit yeah um you totally don't have to um, yeah. And it, it is just a thing of like, there is a time in, a, in my life where I probably would have. Um, uh -huh. but at this point it's like, oh, I just want to like engage with the main systems and like see the actual story through and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. which just changes how, how I'm interacting. Yeah. Um, I also think like listening to this, because Autumn was saying, like, there's a different universe where I played Final Fantasy VIII instead of Chrono Cross, and I'm still fundamentally the same person, but, like, there might be some changes. Um, well, yeah, I don't think any of us have the one piece of media that would fundamentally change who we yeah. are. Yeah. Um, but, like, we were kind of talking about this in, like, the group chat, but I think that, like, Chrono Cross is such a game that just necessitates that you, like, like you can't grind out levels... No. Um, every battle is like specifically set up, like even the, the, you know, normal encounters, which aren't that hard, but yeah. still like it's set up where you're going to be healed up and go into each battle healed up most of the time. Yes. Um, and you know, bosses are like often just sort of a puzzle thing of like, oh, how are you going to, you know, this is one where you really need to, to like do a bunch of debuffs or whatever. And that's like, mm. what's going to get you through or whatever. Um, there's like ones that specifically, Oh, you need to think about like your composition in terms of elemental colors or like, yeah. you know, which ones you're equipping and all of that. Uh, and that stuff just like taught me to think about 
JRPGs that way. Um, mm. And so I think that's like part of what, like if I play a, a RPG and um, I lose to a boss and I'm mm. like, oh, I can see how my strategy was wrong. I'm going to like, uh, you know, like re-kit out whatever my magic is or my equipment or whatever, uh, go back in. Like I'm never going to grind again. And if I do that and I'm like, I feel like I just have the strategy correct and I, it's still just doing too much damage to me. Like I can't keep up or whatever. Uh, I'm probably going to think it's a bad game for like being balanced in such a way that I have to grind. <laughs> my thing um, is, um, I see how you get there, but like one of my favorite series is Dragon Quest and Dragon Quest is the most, you start the game, go out of town, kill two slimes, come back and heal until you can buy the next piece of gear, and then you will be able to go a little further, and then you need to get to level five, or you just can't beat the next boss, and that's the loop. that The game is designed around that loop. Um, yeah. It is about the perseverance of seeing the thing through and not puzzle solving. I think there's value in that. I think, I think an RPG has to know which kind of RPG it is, and signpost that to the player, and not throw them for a loop with huge difficulty spikes. Um... And that's its own design, right? Like, that's a challenge. There's plenty of yeah. RPGs who fuck this up, and suddenly a boss is way too hard. Um, there's Final Fantasy loves to do, and it's, it's, it's varied over time, but Final Fantasy loves to do, you could be sloppy until there's one boss, which is a puzzle boss, but maybe you haven't internalized the puzzle that they're trying to teach you, and you're, you're fucking screwed if you haven't. Uh, Chrono Cross is hard bu- puzzle boss, the video game. You've got to pay attention the entire time, and that's part of the appeal. Um, Final Fantasy ain't worried about all that. I mean, there are puzzle bosses, especially in PlayStation Final Fantasy. There's a lot of puzzle bosses, but the games are meant to be easy because they're the most mass market RPGs ever made. Um, I would recommend for you just playing eight. I would probably not try to constantly grind to like 100 Faragas and everything on everybody. I think that'll make the game very easy. It's already a pretty easy game. I would just play through normally, not worry about like grinding and just see where you go. Yeah. I can't um, guarantee you're not going to find parts you get stymied a little bit, but I do think the game is pretty, pretty chill and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, There's no Miguel fight in Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Fuck the Miguel fight. <laughs> oh, I, lo- I really like the Miguel fight, but... It's just hard. It's just like really hard in a way that I I think of Square Games in particular is not particularly interested in being hard, especially by the PlayStation era where they are trying to sell five million copies. You don't sell five million copies on kick your dick in the dirt hard boss fights. <laughs> but the the thing is, I was a little kid and I ran up against that and I figured it yeah. out. And now every time I do that fight, I just it's not like because there's there's ways that like people are like this is the the normal pattern that like they'll go through well yeah that's um, the thing with those every boss fight in that game has like a locked in pattern that you can just exploit to the hell if you know what it yeah is. and like some of them are uh it's specific like it will respond to what you're doing as well and stuff but like people yes. have figured out the pattern where it's like okay if you wait until it casts this spell and then you cast like a yellow spell then you'll cause it to like reloop and then it will never do this or whatever yeah um, yeah, there's ways that people have done that. And it wasn't like, I don't know any of that stuff that's not high play, but I just like, I figured out the puzzle stuff so much as a kid that now I get to like the Miguel fight and it's like not difficult. Cause I just know mm-hmm. what to do. Um, I just like, benefit know of playing approximately games when, in childhood. yeah. Um, I like know approximately when I want to like lower his magic attack or like when I want to boost stuff on my party or whatever. Um, 
And that's just yes. I I fully figured it out. So this is this is my the water temples the best temple in Ocarina of Time and Mario sixty four should be way harder, uh, because I fucking played those games to death and internalized every bit of like movement and world design into my brain, and <laughs> thus they're still pretty straightforward to me. Um, and watching people like bash their heads against them, I'm like, what do you what, just play the video game? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Mm-hmm. You can't replicate being a child and having infinite time and like a really plastic brain that can just absorb new ideas really well. <laughs> yeah. It's often, it's also the things of, um, I forget what they're called, but like there's a, a part in Chrono Cross where you're going, I don't want to like spoil too many of the details, but you're like basically going through this area and there's like these like doll women basically. Yes. Um, and they'll like all say like, uh, like they're in a beauty pageant or something and they'll be like, yes. I'm Maria and I, and they'll like tell you what the spell is that they use all the time. Um, this is some real Fantasy nine shit to me. Yeah. Um, and you just like run away and then like resume the fight mm-hmm. until it's like, and I use like, you get like two where like one is going to do like volcano and one is going to do tornado or something. Yeah. Like some of those high. And then you just lay the traps and it's like, that's yes. the one place where you farm and you get the high level yes. spells with the traps and you don't have to do it anywhere else. Uh, whereas some guides will be like, you have to run here and you have to use this trap on this one enemy when it like, well, yeah, there's isn't a, there's specifically a, a group of two or yeah. There's a boss really early, like not early on, but like a mid part of midway through the game where if you, are prepped and you have to like go out of your way to buy the the traps for the spells. If you're prepped, you can get the high level spells way earlier than those, those characters. Um, and I went and did all that work and reset the battle multiple times. And let me tell you, I was cooking with gas for most of the game because of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the one other one. Uh, it was like basically as soon as I get the boat, um, and can like go buy those. Yeah. those traps i just buy and i buy the the number that i know that i need at this point because i've just yeah. played it enough um, well, i was like well obviously i need to buy three one for each character so they can all have the good spells and the reality is you need like four or five because not every character is going to have every spell but some characters are gonna have two of those motherfuckers <laughs> yeah yeah like if you have the really good like white magic spell you want to yeah. put that shit on surge and not on somebody else <laughs> like, yeah i would like three of those on surge thank you it's very yeah. fucking good <laughs> um but yeah i mean there are games where there is like a certain amount of grind and it it yeah. is just the loop is is built well that like the x-ray yeah. odyssey series does yes. have grinding but it is such a loop of like how far can you get it in get into mapping the dungeon before yes. And for me, those games are then much more about like, what's the, it's like resource management and yes. your HP and your like SP or MP or whatever. Yes. This is much a resource as like the items and everything. I started at Trinarcy 3 this past week and uh, I'd never played it before. I've always wanted to. And that game is, I've, I played mostly the 3DS games, which are much more welcoming to new players generally um yeah three's hard uh and i de- ran into the thing where i'm like i'm going into this dungeon and i need to guarantee that i get enough enemy drops to buy and like the ability to heal my characters but if i kill the characters if they die i can't afford to resurrect them <laughs> right now <laughs> i need yeah. to make sure i don't overextend because i can't afford the reses back in town um which is just not a thing that I think of as a, a game quality that exists as far as like 2004, whenever Eternal Odyssey 3 came out. Yeah. It's not 2004, it's like 2008. Um, I was like 2004, that's when the DS started. Uh, idiot. Uh, but, um, 
now I'm at the point where it's like, I go in and I want to be able to get far enough before I have to use the arachnid thread to go back to town that I have enough to buy an arachnid thread and then also start contributing to buying more gear, right? I need to make at least 200, whatever the money is, uh, in the dungeon where I've wasted my time because like arachnid threads 100 and I need to heal and then I need to get equipment. So I need to make sure I'm pushing it. Yeah. But because I, I have that thread, I can push it all the way to if I fight another enemy, I'm fucking dead. I don't have to yeah. climb my way back out. I think three might be my favorite Etrian Odyssey. It's been a while mm-hmm. since I've played them, so um I could I could replay them and have a different feeling. But yeah, yeah. it it felt like it was like four um it it made it like a little bit more easy in a way where mm-hmm. I still really like four. There's some really great systems. Some of my favorite classes I think are in four. Mm-hmm. Um But uh yeah, three had like that good balance of like the series have been going, so they'd like developed enough uh various mechanics uh but it was still like hard in exactly the kind of way that i just want to like you know uh beat my head against (laughs) sometimes um also i really like i don't know if you've gotten the the like uh ocean exploration stuff yet a little bit i can't go very far right yet so yeah um um the other thing about three that I like is um, not only does it have that normal Edronasi loop of overextending yourself and getting your ass beat, um, it then has the extra loop of instead of normally you get like your resource points and you can gather materials. In Edronasi three, there's a class called a farmer and the farmer is the only class that can harvest materials. They're not particularly good at anything else. And so the thing you obviously want to do is create a team of five farmers <laughs> Um, yeah. And once you've mapped out a floor, then you take the five farmers in and you you hope to God that you can run from every enemy on your way to the, the harvest points and you'll just reap rewards. But it is like the scariest shit in the world is you're like this this enemy indicators on red. I better be able to run. Uh, they have abilities that like make it l- less likely for you to encounter enemies and they have abilities that make it easier to run. But of course, I'm early enough in the game that where I put all my skill points in is to harvest better materials. Um, so they can't do any of that shit yet. If I get, if I get in a fight, I need to fucking run and I need to make sure it works. Um, yeah. tense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also, uh, I think three has shortcuts, right? Um, yeah, every, every, every yeah. shortcuts. Um, so yeah, that was also part of it with three, especially is like really trying to make sure that you find those, those shortcuts for the farmers mm-hmm. specifically so that they can yes. like quickly move through. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, occasionally just doing like a couple runs where you like have the like two resource points that are really close to the entrance and you just mm-hmm. run in and grab them and run out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that game's great. I I always have an itch to go back to it, but I also just know they're like so time consuming. Yeah. This is my when I'm before bed and want to just play a little bit of a game, but don't want to like get involved in something that's going to keep me super like up for two hours. Um, just play a little Etronasi. As long as I'm making like one iota of progress every time I load the game up, I will eventually beat it. This is this is the Dragon Quest promise, right? It was like Yuji Hori wanted a game where people who don't play video games can just throw time at it and eventually uh, like surpass the mountain. You don't have to be good at anything. You just have to put the time in, um, which is why Dragon Quest is eternally popular, especially with older players in Japan. Always has been. Um, yeah. People who are not like gaming since they were little babies uh, can fucking grind some levels. It's really easy. 
And then you only need one game a year, uh, which is not me, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was, was Nexus the, the Etrian Odyssey that was like stuff from a bunch of them? Yeah, that is the pooling yeah. everything, um, into one big, like, we're not making another one of these, the 3DS on its way out. Hope you fucking enjoy it. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, that was the one that, like, I started, but had just gotten done with five when I, oh, yeah. when I started it up. Um, so I never did much of it, but I feel like that would be one to be like, oh, let me go back and play this because it's just going to have a bunch of class. Like, I, th- I think it'll be fun to see how classes from different games, like, interact yeah. yeah um yeah i've i played four one untold and a bit of two untold and finished two untold um which are the 3ds remakes and then i've played some five but not a ton and then now i'm playing three so yeah i always like the idea of the princess class and the farmer class uh the princess class is great just pure uh <laughs> yeah. wonderful storytelling through class design yeah yeah, the Etrian Odyssey games are great for that, where um just the the class, like both like visually and like what it's called. Uh yeah. but then also like the abilities, and then yes. the way that like classes interact with each other. Um yeah. just really create like a sense of character despite them being like you know basically blank slates that you're just yeah. naming yourself and like picking one of the four portraits or whatever. Yeah, the uh, if you haven't played this, the prince princess class uh, gives like buffs and debuffs to the uh, buffs to the party, like like attack order or defense order, and so it basically just tells a line like fight harder, and then they'll fight harder. Um, but it's it's also mostly healer in that um, the one of the first abilities you get is if you're at 100 percent hit points after every turn, the rest of the party, uh, the entire party gets hit points. Um, but it requires the 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 prince princess to be in the back row and you pray to god it's like someone else is drawing aggro there's a class called a hoplite that draws aggro specifically that's like a big tank class and you want one of those to pull aggro because if your prince gets your princess gets hit no one's fucking getting healed this turn <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and it's a good heal like it's a it's a lot of hit points every turn as long as the princess is at 100 hit points and you can't yeah. you can't cast it it's just a passive but that, you know it's a, it's a lot and when you when you're when you get hit you're like fuck man now i'm screwed i gotta yeah. use an item to heal this motherfucker or no one's getting healed yeah um it, it is just when you use it like it forces you to like baby that one yes. character Yes, it's really good. Like, yes, this is a princess way. (laughs) Yes, yeah, Um, yeah. It's it's great. Um, I remember too the uh, so the night seeker and the sniper in four, yeah, uh, play off of each other really well, Uh um, which is fun because they have like very different aesthetics. Is night seeker the vampire class? Um, yes, yeah, yeah. They're not quite the night the vampire I'm thinking of. There is one that's like they've got a fucking coffin with them at all times. I don't yeah, know which class no, that is. There is the um Oh, which I'm trying to remember the name of that class. Um But uh the Night Seeker is the one that's like they're they're pretty weak, but they usually have uh good speed so you can get them where they can dodge a lot. Uh but the big mm-hmm. thing is that like 
Uh, so they have all these throw moves that will, like, potentially blind or paralyze or, um, there's, like, a few other things that you can do. Um, and then, uh, you can get this ability that makes it where it spreads, so you're not just targeting one enemy, you're just, like, spreading it all across. Mm. Uh, so you can just, like, do these mass ailments, and then the more ailments that you, like, pile up on to an enemy, uh, the like more damage that the the night seeker does against it mm. um so you're just trying to like get a bunch of ailments and then do really really intense like uh there's like one where um oh the other thing is that you really don't want it the the character to get hit because um biting slice is like normally the the night seeker is going to be one of the first people to act because they just have like such high speed um yeah but if you do that, they wait until the very end after everything else is attacked. And if they don't take any damage that turn, they do, uh, like really strong hit to all of the enemies. Um, oh, yeah. Or like maybe it's in a line. I forget if it's a, a f- maybe this one's just one. There's one that's like a, a larger and one that's a single hit. But, uh, yeah, you can do a ton, ton of damage that way. Um, but then there's also ways that, uh, if something it has, uh, is like bound, like if you like bind the arms or the legs or the head, um, yes. it then like increases ailment rates and like you can do more damage as well. So that's why it plays really well with the sniper because the sniper is all about like, you know, th- the idea is basically like you're shooting out like the knees or the arms or whatever. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the, the coffin class in Etronodacy is in Etronodacy 5. It's the Necromancer, which is all about summoning wraiths, uh, in like a stack. And then all of your abilities, like sacrifice one wraith to do something. But the further in you get, there'll be like an off chance to, for your abilities to summon wraiths, even as you're spending them and end up with yeah. more than you even spent. It's good. It's very silly. Yeah. It's a fun class too. Um, And I think, oh yeah, and the Reaper, um, is, is another one that I really like in that one, which is like kind of a, uh, almost like a Valkyrie vibe. Um, like a dark, they have yeah, like the, this is the, this is the, the Harbinger, the Japanese yes. name is just Reaper. Yeah. Um, yeah, with the like giant scythe. Um, yeah. that was a really fun class too. Um, yeah, they have like a act faster miasma armor they can summon, which is pretty sick. Yeah. Etrian Odyssey uh, just has some of the, the best like classes. Yeah, I really like the class design and they're always there's always a bunch of fucking weirdos and they're all pretty cool. And then you're like, this is great, but I still need the fucking knight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because as much as I like having a class full of weirdos, it's really important to just have a motherfucker with a sword and a shield. I need the Landschnecht yeah. here to get shit done while everyone else is being a glass cannon. <laughs> and then whenever I play, like, um, as they, like, figure out the character, like, the class dynamics, then, like, yeah. the characters start forming my head. So then there's yeah. ones where I'm like, oh, like, these two are sisters, and that's why, like the this one is always being really like defensive and protective of the other one or whatever um yeah, yeah just getting like in the the whole idea of like the dynamics based on how com- combat goes all the time um, yeah and so that's always great when you have like some absolute sickos and then you just have the like extremely boring knight with a big shield or whatever 
Yeah. But um, that, that night with a big shield will save your ass all the time. Yeah. And you're like, man, you are you are you are super. You are white bread, but you are so reliable in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Can't get rid of you. <laughs> um, And you're like always slightly annoyed that you have to keep d- taking damage for this weird sicko. But yeah, <laughs> it's what you do. You're still going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. My thing with Edge and Odyssey that's like a, a negative on me is I never want to like get rid of a character for a new guy, even though there's huge benefits to happening through the game starting to like r- rotate out your party. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to juggle seven guys. I want my five guys. Yeah, I usually uh, stick with with the party, but occasionally there there are times where I won't. But yeah, um, I do enjoy just like this is the crew, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, often you can get the subclasses and that will help, uh, yes. fill in what you, what you like don't have, but yeah. Um, yeah, they are great games. Also just drawing the map on the, on the, uh, 3DS the screen. Yeah. It's just yeah. good. I still am like, how, how did, how do they even do it on like the HD remaster? It just seems like I, it would be I actually horrible. don't know. I have not looked into it. Yeah, I haven't even looked into what the mechanic is. Um, but like it's like it's on like uh Steam and stuff too, so it's not even yeah. like it requires the touchscreen on the Switch or something. Well here's the thing is I think a controller would be easier than the touchscreen. Part yeah. of there's just things that the stylus and like the, the resistive touchscreen of a DS do that a capacitive touchscreen like a phone or a modern console just doesn't it doesn't work the same. You can't yeah. you can't draw straight lines and fill in spaces easily with your finger the way you can with a stylus. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I should look into how do they even do it, but because I still feel like I would be annoyed doing it with a controller. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think they use, there's an auto map option, looks like. Uh, the worst. I don't want to auto map. <clears throat> I guess they did introduce that into some of the later ones on like 3DS. Yeah. And I always made sure it was not on at all. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, it looks like it's mostly button driven and it's just like a lot, right? Yeah. I guess if you're playing on a computer, like an actual ass computer, you could just do it with a mouse, which is totally a very reasonable way to do it. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, but yeah. It does just make me sad because it's like, I mean, maybe there will be more and they'll just try and do it this way, but it just feels like it's a series that like lived and died with the DS and 3DS. Yes. Uh, that's true. They haven't really tried to make a game like it. Like Atlas is just not making dungeon crawlers in the same way. Um, cause like, you know, um, strange journey is just one of these in a lot of ways. Yeah. There's a, there's and, like and auto then, mapping, but yeah. Yeah. But then SMT four and five are not one of these at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, soul hackers two, not one of these. Yeah. Soul hackers two, extremely not one of these. So people are still doing it, but usually they're like, yeah, like I really like, um, what is it? Undernauts. Um, 
Dia put me onto that. Under Undernaut's Labyrinth of Yomi, which is an experience uh, game. Experience basically only makes first-person dungeon crawlers, mostly for the Vita, but now for the Switch. Um, and that's a really cool game. It's got like a good, like crunchy body horror is overselling it but it's just like a lot of monsters in a really awful industrial place kind of vibe um and that's all on a map but it's really it's fun you know the game's not about drawing a map so and that has a lot of weird party interactions that game's neat as hell yeah um but uh yeah i don't know this is just a genre that i i never really i did not experience one of these until edge odyssey 4 that was my first one um um, I just really got into it. Yeah. I've always had, like... I guess Strange... I got Strange Journey before I got Jurassic 4, so Strange oh, Journey yeah. was my first one. Um, I I got into these, like, back in the day where I was just, like, asking my dad, do you have graph paper so I can draw out maps? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I was, I was doing the, like, just drawing it myself on paper, uh, making my own little marks of where things were. Uh, and so, especially Etrian Odyssey of like all the the dungeon crawlers that have come after, um, has just really like having it where you just draw the map in game is so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's ways that like because it's a map that you're drawing in a game, you can then place things that will like actually change status or like you know like automatically update or like show you where things are, um, mm-hmm. which is always fun. Uh, but man, I just want to play Etrian Odyssey. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm not going to. I have too much. I have too many games in the air right now. Yeah. But the the itch is always there. And it's it's gotten strong now. Yeah, it's fair. Um. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, I mean, this week in particular. Like we had to move around uh, Ghost Divers recording because the the weekend that we were supposed to record, I had to uh, go to a friend's wedding. Um, mm. And so now it's like we recorded on Monday because we kept having to kind of shift it around weirdly uh, just because stuff wasn't lining up. Um, and now I have to read all six chapters for the next time, uh, which was Saturday. So... Uh, that's been like my main focus. <laughs> nice. Staying on top of readings and podcast work, um, editing stuff. Uh, my, my work really jerked me around with like when I had to come in this week, which was annoying, but mm-hmm. it's sort of now. Um, yeah. Uh, you want to call it early then? Yeah, we can. All right. Uh, that's it. We'll be back next time with three more chapters of the Nimblungan Lead. I hope you've enjoyed. Uh, if you've thought about joining up, this is, or like, you know, reading along with us, this is a good jumping on point because uh, this book seems much breezier than Heimless Kringla for sure. Yeah. And just more entertaining. I, yeah. feel like, I feel like some actual guys will show up. Yes. Most of the time. Yeah. Um, feel like there'll be some actual drama. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? You can find me at FoxMomNia on, uh, basically any social media platform that I'm on. I mostly just post on Twitter right now, but, um, 
I should I should try to get back into the habit of using other ones. I just kind of resent the state that we're in right now where everything's fractured and nothing is actually happening. <laughs> yeah. Um go listen to my other podcasts. Uh my other ones are all on Export Audio. Um as I mentioned, uh Ghost Divers, we are currently reading through Nana. Uh I've been enjoying those episodes a lot, but that's unsurprising. I love Nana a lot. Uh Pondering Putan is a comedy podcast. Uh and then Ornate Stairwells is still like on hiatus, is just the non-homophobia zone. Um I think those episodes have been a lot of fun. Um truly like uh autumn quit Starbucks and then just the energy was back. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um uh extremely nice to have Autumn back in uh podcasting form, invested in the world. Uh it's it's great when you don't fucking hate your job, let me yeah. say. Like our the last episode we did, they were like, Oh, I feel kinda bad. I'm like getting tired. We're only like an hour and a half or two hours in or whatever. It was still like a decent sized episode. Um yeah. and I was like, no, nah, it's fine, we can call it. Uh like we're basically done with the the stuff that we had to talk about. Um and it was still just so different than like the those especially the like final few months um at Starbucks where they just everything had been taken from them and they were just so tired every time we recorded. <laughs> Um, so that's been, that's been a lot of good, uh, a lot of fun. Um, and we're having a good time reading through Ikoku Nikki. I'm looking forward to finishing it soon. So, yes, I, uh, I'm curious to read it. Cause I feel like you put way more stress on some of the problems with a fan translation than I would as someone who reads a good number of them. I just don't care as much. Um, I feel like it, I, I don't. Part of it is like having to read it and talk about it just means yeah. I'm like having to think about what people are saying more and then butting up against it more. But well, yeah, I'm also not reading manga at the pace in which uh, Nono Zone is not working at the uh, Nana pace uh, because that would be d- deleterious for one's health. But um, you do tend to go slow in a way yeah. that we do not. Yeah. Um. We're going Honestly, to, we're going to it, read a manga that's like, we're going to do 12 volumes in an episode. It's going to be fucking 45 minutes. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, we probably could have done like three volumes of Ikokaniki, but, uh-huh. um, you know, similar I'm to. I'm just saying, Nana's, Nana's getting like three out of, hours out of like two chapters. I don't understand. <laughs> I know you're not normal about Nana, but holy shit. We're getting like, uh, three to four hours out of six chapters. Yeah. Just like a volume a, and a half. It's an extreme amount uh, of podcast per page. Yeah. Uh, we will we will sometimes be on like a page for like ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. If you tried to if you tried to make me podcast like that, I would quit. Yeah. Truly, like I can I can do ghost divers, and that's it. That's the only yeah. one I can do to that level. Um, and some of it is also that, like, Connor just is this kind of person. Yeah. Um, I just never, I've never valued being exhaustive. Um, I kind of just want to talk about the gist of a thing and where it leads us mentally, but like not talk, like break down scene by scene. Like, you know, people do that in movies a lot. Um, 
Stairwells isn't really like that. Sometimes it is, but it really isn't like it that much. Usually just like one or two scenes, but uh, I've yeah. just never been that person. It's not how I think about both my thought process and criticism and podcasting as an outreach, as like a branch out of my thought process. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I feel like normally Ghost Divers, it's, it's less like exhaustive in the way that this has been. Yeah. But, um, yeah. like, I mean, Nana's just my favorite work. Uh, I know. What are you going to do when you're done and can't do this anymore? Uh, still think about Nana all the time. All right. But I, and I'll probably still reread it at some point. I just won't be doing a podcast about it when I reread it. Yeah. Um, but I know it was also, uh, like I recommended it to Connor, but I think it was like far more affecting for him than he thought it was going to be when he, when he first read it. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think he's also been really enjoying like, going through it all and breaking it down. So that was like a four out of five. <laughs> um, yeah, it's no, it's no paradise kiss. That's for damn sure. Are we going to do a manga cafe on, um, neighborhood story or whatever it's called? We should. Yeah. I was thinking when that comes out, we might, and they, they can be like short episodes, but we could even do like volume by volume as they come out. Cause it'll sure, be a little spread out. Um, want, or we can do one all at the end, but um, I, guess. I mean, I'm going to be fun getting to, them be fun as they to come do, out. To, to drag you into my pace of podcasting about all of these, uh, is all I books, but like in single podcasts. Yeah. I mean, we can do it all when the, when they're done. I mean, I'm sure I will. I don't know if you're going to wait till they're all out to read it. That I seems will, like a that's how do. I read things. Yeah. Well, if that's how you're doing it, then we'll just do one. Um, okay. and I'll just reread it probably when we get there because okay. I'm going to be reading them as they come out, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just saying at some point you're going to get to the part of Nana where like the back material in the like chapters just has to bring Georgie back because he's more interesting than half the Nana cast. <laughs> like what if we hang out with the fucking cool guy from the other book? And I'm like, hell yeah, you should. He's awesome. <laughs> um, I don't think that's true about what happens there, but I understand why you would think that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm also being a little facetious just to be annoying to you. Um, I, I do think that, like, obviously the Paradise Kiss characters are more cartoonish and fit the, like, Omake style better than what... Nana is a, a book mostly about fuck-ups being sad. And uh, Paradise Kiss is also about that, but they're way goofier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, some of it, too, is that, like... Nana starts out goofier and then they just have to spend more time with those characters. And so they yeah. just have to get deeper and deeper into like the deep seated trauma that all of them have that kind of just gets joke, <laughs> joked about at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I could see a paradise kiss that won forever. And, and also I just ended up being like oh, really like sad. So people. much less. I'd like it so much less. <laughs> um, Part of the thing yeah. I like about Paradise Kiss is it reminds me of, like, short, intense relationships. I mean that in, like, a friendship way or just knowing people that I would have often in my youth where it's like you meet someone, you're, like, obsessed with them for, like, three months, and then they, you kind of drift apart. And that's just it. That's the story. Um, and I think yeah. Paradise Kiss captured that so well. Nana's about someone enters your life and fucks it up forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nana is about... Uh, there's because there's that whole like men think all the time about the Roman Empire meme thing that's been happening mm. on TikTok. Um, yeah. And I saw a version of it that was like uh, 
like guys ask your girlfriend about uh their like best friend who they're not friends with anymore um and it was just like a few ones of, of people asking and just like the girl just like going really long about like how their friendship ended and everything I'm like that's what nana is, <laughs> is it, i don't think this i think this is just a people thing i don't think this is yeah. explicitly a girl thing i feel like gendering this is, as yeah. most tiktok memes gendering it's fucking weird get over it yourself. does I will say I don't normally think about the Roman Empire, but uh, I do think I, I don't think about- I ever think about the Roman Empire. Roman Empire is boring and lame. It is. Um. Yeah. Uh. It it truly anyway, is that- about the the one friendship that you think about constantly years later. Uh, I have a couple of those I think about. Turn over my head. They're really bad. They're really fucking bad. Is the thing. <sighs> There's something about the codependency. I know you're trying to keep me longer and I resent you for it just a little bit. I'll be, it'll be fine. Um, there's something about the codependency of just being young and like holding on to someone whose weirdness like is so attractive to you. And you're like, oh, we're just going to like ride or die together about this thing. Whatever the thing is, whether it's just vibing together, whether you're both into the same thing, whatever. Um, and just like. That's it. We're just the, the, the social version of like a murder suicide. This is, we're just about each other now. Um, it's so appealing. It's so appealing. I don't think I could do it now. I don't think I have the energy if I wanted to, but some part of my brain, my, my trauma brain, my, uh, my emotionally distraught and broken brain is like, Oh, I need that spice back in my life. It'd be so much better. It would not be better. It'd be drama <laughs> and it'd be pain and it would blow up like they always fucking blow up because it's not healthy. It's not how you should relate to people. But oh, what if? What if the spice? Uh, <laughs> that's all. Where can people, is that the end of where people can find you? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's where can people find you now? You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being where I'm not actually posting that much. It's been, uh, continues to be kind of a rough time. So I'm not online as much as i uh want to be um you can find all my podcasts at abnormalmapping.com you should listen to the upcoming abnormal mapping which will be out in two days probably on shenmue uh it hasn't been recorded yet um but we're recording that this weekend with dia it's gonna be great shenmue is fucking incredible it's also my birthday on this coming friday so uh happy birthday me Mm -hmm. i'm now 38 and for some reason that's a really depressing number even though it doesn't mean anything um, but I'm like, oh, that's like late thirties. I can't even pretend. And it's fucked me up a little bit. Mm. Um, and it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but happy birthday to me. Uh, say it back. Everyone who listens to this, uh, on Friday or I'll be sad. Happy birthday. Um, thank you. Also, I expect, should go more, I expect to you the... to say it again later. I will. Uh, I will. <laughs> it's Wednesday the 18th. <laughs> I know. It's... In the con- I'm just modeling what the audience should do. Okay, good. But I'll still say happy that. birthday to you later. Yeah, okay. That's that's healthy and responsible. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, people Gundam, should listen. We did a, we, I was oh, going to say people should listen to the GGP pilot episode. Yeah, we did another pilot draft. The second one, Neve came through. It was great. We had Austin Six on. We, pi- we created a bunch of weirdos. They were all fun. Um, I was like, I think I made the worst team. And it was totally fine because I didn't have to do any of the work. There was already a bunch of people there to do the work for me. Um, and uh, that's always great. I love when guests do all the work for you. Yeah. Uh, I will say this is just a little, if people haven't listened, or maybe if they did, this is just a little behind the scenes. There's the part where the, the bidding for Mir Campbell ha- like, happened. And uh-huh. as soon as it started, I had the vision of like what I was going to do with her. And that's why I was uh-huh. just like, I will pay full price. <laughs> yeah, fair so. enough. Um, 
Anyway, there's other stuff, obviously, but those are the main things. Oh, watch me and Dia play Flower, Sun, and Rain on YouTube.com slash at Dia The most recent episode, it won't be the most recent one, probably, as of this recording, was a two-hour odyssey through a chapter that is designed to waste your time um, that we just have a fucking great time enjoying for what it is. Um, it's really funny. Um, and has maybe the best surprise ending possible. <laughs> it's really <laughs> fucked up. Um, so, uh, it's, it, it's good. It could only, it could have only ended that way, really cosmically. Um, but that's it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you like it, please retweet it. Uh, please come into the discord and tell us it was good. Uh, everyone did that last time. Thank you very much for doing that. Uh, do it again. Every time I need yeah, constant reinforcement. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do appreciate it. It isn't, it doesn't go unnoticed. Uh, even if sometimes it doesn't get remarked upon because everyone's in the middle of talking about something else. Uh, yeah. do it every time. God damn it. Do it for my other um, podcasts too. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I always go, I always go into my uh, DM with Neve. It's like, Oh, this podcast is very good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I always, I always make sure I listen to Puton before we record because it drops the day before. So I know in case something comes up that I'm like up on what happened on Puton, um, which is usually just me going, what the fuck is this show? Why are you like this? Yeah. Um, this, I remember this, this week's episode being pretty normal. I was pretty busy at work though. So maybe I forgot yeah. it not being normal. There's um, a little bit at the end where we reference the chapter about what is this podcast? What do we talk about? What are we doing yeah. here? But, um, Look, I, I believe in that is the mode of podcasting just generally. I do half of, half of weight lifes are about that. So it really didn't even cross my radar as a thing of note. <laughs> yeah. Um, I briefly mentioned, uh, also the, the background of part of why I like Nana so much is that I was literally just like, um, thrift store shin as a kid. Uh, and Emily was just like full visual K EGL. Um, so it's just all right in the, the like zone of, uh, I delighted in seeing, uh, the pictures that no one else will see about those. They were good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you fucking dweeb. You've, you, you've always been a dweeb. I appreciate it. I'm very fond of you, but you're fucking dweeb. <laughs> What what was particularly I, dweeb like? The the eight thousand mix CDs. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, you you I feel like you exude this aura. Whenever we talk about the past, it's like, oh, Neef used to be cool, doing like fucking drugs and hanging out with all the punk kids and like moshing or whatever. I don't know what kids do. I wasn't doing those things. I was I was in a dark room on the internet reading like fucking Chaucer and Dante. I was the opposite of cool. Um and yet, when I see that shit, I'm like, you're just a fucking dweeb. Same as everybody else. It's, it's yeah. charming. I was doing drugs, uh, getting drunk, moshing in mosh pits, and then like making handmade bespoke mixtapes for my girlfriend. I was so square. I didn't have a actual drink of alcohol until after I was 21. In fact, all my 21st birthday, I didn't even do anything because my friend I hung out with the most didn't turn 21 until December. My birthday's in October, obviously. So I waited till his birthday and then we went and had some drinks, but it was very modest. I've only been drunk like three times in my, like really drunk, like three times in my entire life. Um, I'm just boring. I'm truly yeah. a boring individual. <laughs> when I was 15, I drank an entire fifth of vodka in one night, which I do not recommend doing. Ooh. Yeah, one one of those three nights I drank like half a uh, bottle of triple sec and truly embarrassed myself in front of someone I had a crush on for years and years. Um, and I think puked on his floor, though he never like told me I did. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, I don't remember it at all. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, we're done. We'll be back next week. Until then, we're out of the saga. And then we were out of the podcast.